Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So let's talk paper scissors. Welcome to the very first episode of Talk Paper Scissors. I'm so glad you're here and I'm excited for what's to come. So you can expect this podcast to bring you interesting content, news, facts, how-tos, interviews, and stories about the world of graphic communications. I'll talk a little bit more about who I am and about the direction of this podcast in a few minutes, but right now I want to jump right into the content of this first episode. This first episode is all about Comic Sans. Comic Sans is infamous, maybe the most polarizing typeface of our time. It's, uh, it's kind of like the cilantro of typefaces, either loved or hated with a passion. And your stance on it definitely says something about who you are. Comic Sans can be found everywhere for both personal and professional, in quotations, use. It can be found on flyers and posters, on signage, on packaging, and some of the most notable ridiculous Comic Sans appearances include, get ready for this, uh, the Spanish World Cup trophy. It's been featured on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, and it even makes an appearance in the Pope's photo album in the Vatican, if you can believe that. The typeface and its inappropriate contexts in which it's been used has outraged so many that in 2005, a group of passionate Canadians campaigned actually to have a band. But Comic Sans isn't all bad. Research out of Princeton University in 2010 suggests that studying information in difficult-to-read fonts actually helps students better retain that information. So let's break the name of this font down. First, Comic. The one place you should see Comic Sans is actually in comic books because that's what its original purpose really was. It was to mimic the handwritten text found in comic book speech bubbles. It was created by type designer, uh, his name was Vincent Conner, and it was released in 1994 by Microsoft Corporation. So you have the likes of The Watchmen and Batman to thank for inspiring the world's most hated typeface. These two comics and the speech bubble lettering within them are rumored to have been a direct inspiration for Conair. So now onto the sans part, comic sans or comic sans. It refers to sans serif. And so broadly, typefaces in general are categorized into two main categories, either serif or sans serif. And serif are the little decorative flourishes that exist on many, many characters. Uh, something like Times New Roman, for example, is a serif font. And serifs are actually there for a very important reason, which is to guide our eye along all of the letters and all of the words uh, to create, to make it easier to read, to make a font more readable. Now, sans serif, they don't have these decorative flourishes. So sans is, of course, the French word for without. So Comic Sans exists without any additional flourishes on the top or the bottom of its letter forms. Oh, Comic Sans, you're goofy and harmless, but also deep and complex. You're kind of like an undercover spy fronting as a children's entertainer. I can picture Comic Sans as a mild-mannered, even mundane guy who's paid to dress up and entertain at kids' birthday parties. 
But then, the CIA swiftly interrupts a party, landing their helicopter in the front yard and whisks him away, kind of like that scene in Jack Ryan. Come with us, Mr. Sands. The president needs you. Later, back at Langley, they tell him that he's a valuable asset who will now get to travel to unusual places undercover. Places that he'd never normally get to go, seeing as he's just a goofy-looking children's entertainer after all. He agrees. And the rest is history. Hmm. But all joking aside, why do we care so much about Comic Sans? I mean, 20 or 30 years ago, unless you were a designer or a printer or someone working in the graphic communications realm, fonts were something that were chosen for you. The world of desktop publishing and the drop-down menu changed everything. So for better or for worse, we've all become layout artists. Each computer is really kind of like a self-contained publishing machine connected to a global network of places to broadcast that work. Each new document, new presentation, new email represents and reinforces both our company's brand image as well as our own. Whether you like it or not, you have had publishing thrust upon you. Now, because Conair was a Microsoft staffer when he designed the typeface Comic Sans, he did not receive any royalties from its use. Darn. Now, this is much like Max Meidinger, who is the designer of the world's most ubiquitous typeface, Helvetica, uh, but that's a story for another episode. So an updated version of Comic Sans, called Comic New, was launched in 2014. So who was this person, this man of mystery, trying to save the world one poorly chosen typeface at a time? Well, he's an Australian designer named Craig Rosinski. And the typeface was launched more broadly that year thanks to a Kickstarter campaign that helped make it available in more than 40 languages. So there was over 10,000 Australian dollars raised by almost 200 backers to make this typeface happen. So now you can actually download that font for free at comicnew.com. That's C-O-M-I-C-N-E-U-E dot com. And lastly, the first Friday of July has been dubbed Comic Sans Day, and it's celebrated, or lamented, the world over. So, the next first Friday in July, why not celebrate by changing all of the writing you do that day to Comic Sans? Come on, get into the holiday spirit. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to take a few minutes to let you know about who I am, and also about this podcast and its direction. See you in a sec. Welcome back, everyone. So, a little about me and a little about this podcast. My name is Diana Varma, and I'm a lecturer by day at a university in Toronto, Canada, where I work with some really cool students who do really cool things with their visual talents. Now, the program in which I get to teach is actually quite unique, and I get to help my students marry their technical left brains with their creative right brains and align both with their entrepreneurial hearts. So what does that really mean? Well, in other words, I dabble in teaching technical skills like Adobe Illustrator or how to run a, an 18-ton offset printing press, for example, and I also help students hone their creative skills. So things like creative problem solving, um, a little bit in the realm of layout and design and branding. And all of that is topped off with a healthy dollop of management studies and skills, real world skills for, for business. 
So the students in our program, they get to see their concepts go from nothing to an idea, to a digital file, to a fully realized printed piece. And that's definitely my favorite part, the fact that we get to make stuff and I get to help students make stuff that comes to life, that they can see and touch and feel and show the world. I also write a column each month for a printing industry trade magazine. And what this allows me to do is it allows me to travel to some really cool places, meet some really cool people and stay on top of trends in this industry that I really do love so much. Um, I also get to raise two little girls uh, they are three on Thursday and uh, eight months, also on Thursday, uh, and kind of live my best crafty life uh, just outside of Toronto. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I get to dabble in a bit of everything. I wear lots of hats and I love it that way. So I've wanted to create a podcast for several years now and the stars have just aligned to make this the right time to do it. Uh, and for me, I feel really liberated by the idea of not being tied to a specific course description, or textbook, or editorial calendar, or any other document that says this is what you must cover. Uh, don't get me wrong, that is definitely necessary in the work that I do, but this is an, an opportunity and an outlet to really talk about what's interesting to me. And in turn, I think those are also the things that you will find very, very interesting. I also love the podcast format because it's just another way that the internet has democratized getting weird and wacky and niche information into the hands of those who will really find it interesting. So my podcast sits alongside celebrities and professionals and other one-man or one-woman shows across a whole range of topics. So it is a really good time to be alive. So as I've already said, I want to bring you, the listener, some really interesting content, but to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what this podcast will turn into, and for me, that's really the exciting part. So for any of my students out there who may be listening, my goal is to make this space and this show not another resource that you have to listen to. Um, I really do want you to want to listen. I want to create episodes that you will want to voluntarily show up for and really be a part of. So I plan to make some episodes really fact-based, while others will be interviews. Some might be deep and meaningful and touch on important topics, and others will just be for fun. You can expect a lot of office references in this podcast. <laughs> it's, uh, it's my go-to show. Sometimes I might dole out advice, and other times I will be completely upfront about not knowing what the heck I'm doing, like right now with this whole podcasting format that's very new to me. Uh, some episodes will be longer, some will be shorter, some will be released close together, some further apart, some will address topics of design uh, and typography, etc. directly, and others will live more on the periphery of those topics. So all of this is good, no expectations. Not every episode will be for everyone, and I think that's okay too. The one thing I can promise you is good, fun, interesting content. I'm not taking any of this too seriously. This platform is, for me, a sacred creative space that fills me up. So no pressure, no expectations. Just good, fun, interesting content. And my hope is that my best podcast episode today will be my worst a year from now. That will have meant that there was growth and learning and evolution. And I think all of those things are a very good thing. So you can find out more information about each episode on the show's official site, www.talkpaperscissors.info. That's www.talkpaperscissors.info. 
Now I'm going to end each episode with a quote from my all-time favorite show and highly appropriate to this podcast that's kind of about paper, The Office. So this quote comes to us from season four, one of my all-time favorite seasons of my favorite show. And this is the episode in which some of the, uh, some of the Dunder Mifflin crew head over to a local, uh, a local high school, actually Pam's old high school, to participate in a job fair. So they have a, a table set up at this job fair. And just to set up this quote, so Michael Scott, who is, of course, regional manager, Dunder Mifflin Scranton, is speaking to a high school student who doesn't, who he doesn't think is really cool enough to do an internship at their company. So this kid has expressed interest, but Michael is not convinced that this kid is actually Dunder Mifflin material. So here's what Michael says. You can do whatever you want to do. You can be a classy janitor or a cashier with dignity or a migraine worker. Maybe for you, paper should be more of a hobby. (laughs) So for me, paper is my profession, and it's also my hobby. And for that, I am grateful. There you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors. (laughs) 